You are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica, episode 27. I'm Jessica Pearson, certified body image and weight loss coach. And I'm Beth Barnett-Babel, integrative nutrition therapist. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Stacy Lucky. She's a certified life coach and host of the Confessions of a Goal Getter podcast. Stacy is the do-it-anyway coach who helps badass people who struggle with anxiety, fear, and self-doubt uncover the thinking that's holding them back from taking action. Hello and welcome, Stacy. Hello, ladies, and thank you for having me. Yay, we're so glad to have you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Okay, so let's just dive right in. Since you are the do-it-anyway coach and you help people with big feelings like anxiety, I just want to apply that to our audience's journey and talk to them about how they can take action towards their goals of loving themselves more and feeling better physically and mentally in their body, even when they feel anxiety, fear, and self-doubt. These emotions come up for everyone at some point in this journey and the human experience. And I think it's always helpful to hear how they can deal with that from like as many people as possible. <laughs> and I know that you have your own spin and expertise in this area. So I think you know it will be good for them to hear it coming from you. How does that sound? Perfect. Let's do it. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your journey with food and your body and managing those big feelings throughout all of it? Yeah. So I am, um, I don't know, like a lifetime member of the Yo-Yo Diet Club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that was a thing, I'm, I'd be the founding member. Um, I have literally lived all the diets, done them, tried them all. And when I turned 40, I was like, I'm done with this BS. Like I have got to... I wanted to stop obsessing over food and obsessing over my weight and I just wanted to live my life. So I do have some experience in that, you know, that weight loss area. But for me, I've struggled with, well, I have adult ADHD and clinically diagnosed with anxiety. And so my brain and my mind is literally wired to work hard all the time. I am a mind drama professional. I think like I should make business cards for it. <laughs> um, and like, like I always have stuff going on in my brain. And it wasn't really until I learned about coaching, how to manage those feelings and those emotions with the way I thought about them. You know, I still have anxiety. I still take my medication. Like, I don't tell my people, stop your meds. I'm going to fix you. Like, that's not what I preach. Like, if you, I need you to come to me open to change, being willing to take ownership for your actions, right? We're still, we're not in that victim mode because that is where a lot of people are. Um, there's a, many years where I stayed under the cover being a victim. Like I can't go out. I can't be social. I can't do life. It's too scary out there for me. I'm not helping those people. They still are kind of on their journey to getting to the next phase of their anxiety, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, So yeah, uh, let's see. I'm a dreamer. Mm -hmm. And so being a dreamer and someone who's like a a scaredy cat, (laughs) it's not a good balance. It's not a good mix. And so I really did think I was... Well, that dreamer (laughs) is the ADHD, right? And then it's like 
fighting with anxiety and it's like yes. who's winning today <laughs> yes yes right and so I really thought I was like destined to just be an idealist I'm like I have all these great ideas and I'll just keep them to myself or I'll like share with other people and hope that they go do the thing and maybe drag me along with them like I was waiting for somebody to take me along my journey that I had in my head <laughs> right? I, I understand that for sure <laughs> yes <laughs> And um, so anyway, I've worked all that out. I'm scared every day. I'm scared to be here, y'all. Hello. I'm I'm like pooping my pants. Um, but sometimes we just have to do it anyway, right? We have to get in there and we have to tell ourselves we're going to be okay. Like we're safe. It's all right. And there's big dreams and goals that I want to achieve. And sometimes you just have to do it afraid. So yeah. Did I answer your question? <laughs> I don't even know, but I loved everything. Well, you yeah, said. because the question was, tell us about you and some okay. of those and your some of your journey. And then I guess, how did you get out of what was your journey to get out of the yo-yo dieting? Then, um, okay, so I actually met. I'm calling her my mentor. I've been throwing that out there for the last year, mm-hmm. but it's not really true. I just she's like a friend and mentor in my head. So I joined Corinne Crabtree's No BS Weight Loss Program in, I think it'll be two years in September. So 2020, like the pandemic had hit. We were all at home. I was drinking wine through red vine straws and like, <laughs> and tipping back jelly beans. And I was like, I'm loving my life. Like that lasted for a week though, right? Like I was posting on social media. I'm like, oh my God, best thing ever, Chardonnay with red vines. <laughs> I thought that was the best, right? But like, I also have Hashimoto's, so an autoimmune disease. So you can't be shoving your face Mm-mm, with no. a bunch of sugar and booze all the time. Like that catches up really quickly. Um, and very quickly, I was miserable and very bloated and inflamed. And like my eyeballs, I could barely see out of my face. <laughs> you know, it was just not good. And I was getting ready to do um, an asshole diet where I was going to starve myself again. And I was just, I wasn't up for that. I didn't want to do that. Um and so I was, I just really kind of put it out in the world and I prayed about it and I'm like, okay, what can I do to stop the madness? I can't do this anymore. I cannot live like this anymore. And lo and behold, somebody posted a link actually in another weight loss group that I was in. Uh, somebody said, hey, I'm still struggling with binge eating. Any advice? And somebody posted Corinne's link. I clicked on her link and the rest is history. I learned like that I can eat what I want, when I want. I just have to learn how to listen to my body signals and all that Mm -hmm. other stuff. Now, fast forward to today, I do uh, like count my macros and I do stuff that's a little bit more strategic for me because of that ADD brain. Mm -hmm. It just works better for me. But I eat, you guys. Like there's no more of the yo-yo. If I do a juice cleanse or something, it's because I love myself and I just need to detox because my I'm having like an autoimmune flare up or whatever. It's never to lose weight anymore. It's because I love me so much. I want to feel so good so that I can show up and be on podcasts scared out of my mind. Like that's the goal. And like, as you know, as a life coach, sometimes it's not the action, it's the feeling and the thoughts behind the action Mm -hmm. that matters. So it's not like counting your macros is this evil thing that we're like, never do it. (laughs) It's just like, where is that coming from? And so, yeah, you know, if it's coming from a place of self-love and self-care, then great. 
Yeah. I have a question um, that I feel like could be helpful before we kind of dive more into your do it anyway. Um, chat is, can you explain to our listeners, like what really is the difference between anxiety mm-hmm. and overwhelm? Because we yeah. really hear that word um, thrown around so much. Mm-hmm. And I th- feel like it would be helpful if people could, you know, know what that difference is. Yeah, for sure. Um, So where I used to be with my anxiety and where I am today are different, but being clinically diagnosed with anxiety, um, it was, it's more than overwhelm, right? It's like, there's this constant fear all the time. I don't want to leave the house. I had panic attacks. I didn't want to go to the grocery store by myself. Um, Social anxiety, really just there's this panic. It's almost like a panic mm-hmm. all the time. It's been a journey. And like I've done a lot of talk therapy and counseling and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't fixing it because it really was a biological thing mm-hmm. that was happening mm-hmm. with my body. Um, and so I, one of the things I had to do was go on medication. I also fixed all my hormones. There was a lot of stuff to it that it wasn't just an idea like, oh, I'm a little bit scared today. Mm-hmm. It was like, I could feel it in my bones all the time, every single day. And it kept me from having a productive quality of life, a, um, you know, like I just, I didn't, want to live life. There was like, it was, it's very hard to be in that space versus, okay, I'm a little bit scared. I can do some yoga and like brush it off and get, get in there. Right. Like that's kind of overwhelm or where you're just, you're a little nervous or whatever. It's far deeper than that. It almost feels like your body and your brain are being hijacked. Um, you can't think clearly, you know, it's, you can't, you don't even know what to say or speak. So that's like where I started. And then with a lot of help. And like I said, sometimes I'm still on medication. Sometimes I don't need it. Like I have a bottle of Xanax just sitting in the, in my, in my bathroom, because like, what am I going to do that might trigger an, a panic mm-hmm. attack or whatever? Right. So that kind of is where that anxiety is. Mm-hmm. But again, I think I mentioned earlier, I don't help people with that really heavy, deep anxiety mm-hmm. disorder. Yeah. That's not yeah. what I do. Did I answer that? Yes. I just wanted people to be clear because really, if you look at like a lot of, you know, social media posts or things just in the vernacular mm-hmm. of just chatting, people will be like, oh my God, I have so much anxiety. And you're like, do you really? Or it like, are, they right. just, it's used very casually. I think the word trauma is also being used very casually. Yeah. And these are really big, huge emotional dysregulation issues that are, people are having. And then but then they're just getting thrown around in the vernacular. And I just kind of mm-hmm. wanted to kind of clarify it for yeah. people. Like, call it overwhelm. Don't call it anxiety. If you have yeah. anxiety, call it that. If you have overwhelm, call it that, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Or if you're nervous, yeah. like, okay, that's yeah, normal. Let's, Everybody gets yeah. nervous. Okay. Yeah. Let's call it that. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally agree. Okay. Okay. So I, yeah, we have some questions that I guess, you know, I want to help our listeners the people. So one of my one of my friends actually texted me and he listens, which I didn't realize that he was listening. And sometimes I forget we even have a podcast at all. Like I'm like, oh, people listen to us. <laughs> it's just something that we do for our own selves. Totally. Like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and he was like, you call us the people. I was like, I do. And so anyway, 
the listeners, the people. Yeah. Let's give them something that they can bite off and chew today. So this is kind of like a, a classic thing that we might hear from so many people that come to see us. So maybe you can give us some guidance or give them some guidance. Let's say, you know, someone is just having we can call it overwhelm or anxiousness or nervousness mm-hmm. about an upcoming event. Like maybe they're having thoughts like, I don't have anything to wear. I don't want to go shopping until I lose the weight. I won't even go to this event until I lose the weight. And, you know, they're just in that spinning place, which we all know as life mm-hmm. coaches and, you know, it creates no action. They become paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And we all know, obviously, like telling that person, just go do it anyway. <laughs> probably not so helpful. And I know that's not what you tell them. So can you tell us like, how do we get them from that place to actually doing it anyway? Yeah. We are emotional people, us nervous, fear-seeking freaks. We we like thrive off emotion. We are always emotion, highly emotional. Um, And so what I like to do is always tap back into the, why would you want to go anyway? And like, what does that feel like? So if we can get them out of their head for just a minute and back into their feeling, right? Like, why do you want to go? What is all the awesomeness and the amazingness about being at this event or about, you know, having that play date with your kids at the pool or whatever it is that they're they're struggling to go do because of their weight? I always like to bring them back to the feel good feeling. Why did you Mm want to go? Tell me more about that. How does that feel? And is it really worth you not going and missing out on all of that amazingness? So I always like to start there with that positive emotion. And then, of course, we know like coach talk, right? We get them to talk about the the thought that's going to lead them yeah. to be able to go. But I always like to start with the feeling because that's the one that's most real to them. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's kind of like a redirect to the original point. Mm-hmm. I think that did Yeah, I you did. It? You also um, had a note here about like acknowledge the negative thought, like being compassionate with... Oh, Yeah. So once we've kind of gone through the positive emotion and we've put that out there and they've kind of felt that in their body again, they got excited. We don't want to ignore the negative emotion, whether it's the fear, the insecurity, the self-doubt or whatever. But now we're in a place where they can be compassionate, right? They can look at that negative feeling maybe of insecurity and say, you know what? I know you're insecure. I get it but you're going to be okay. And people out there love you. They want to spend time with you. So today we're going to put that insecurity in a box and we can revisit it, but we're going to go do the thing anyway, because our desire to do that, our desire for being with the people or whatever it is, right, is worth more than that negative emotion. So we don't like kick it to the curb. We show it some compassion. We acknowledge that it's there. And then we can always revisit that another time, like depending on what the situation is. But um, I think acknowledging it with compassion is key. Instead of like talking to yourself like an a-hole and being like, you're just so dumb and you're like, nobody's going to think you're cute. People are going to be judging you, right? Because then you spiral into that thinking. But if you just nail that one negative emotion, show it some love and some compassion and then put it to the side and say, hey, I'll revisit you later. I got you. I know you're still there. <laughs> you know, don't don't worry. <laughs> um, and then it just kind of like, it, it just dims all the drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the more that we actually can accept and shine a light on that uncomfortable feeling, it kind of dissipates on its own. Yeah, I feel like we 
are so like adverse to feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. these days. Like there's not a lot of room for being able to feel uncomfortable or to feel safe. And so people don't want to feel that. And so when they do, Mm -hmm. it feels so much bigger than it really, really is. Mm -hmm. In some cases, I mean, clinical anxiety would be different, um, but in that kind of overwhelmed state. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm like, if you're here today, I guarantee you, you've done something scary in your life. (laughs) And a lot of times they just, or like uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or whatever. And a lot of times they don't even know. And so just like you said, just acknowledging it and giving it a little bit of light um, instead of resisting Mm -hmm. it is huge too. Because you can like, build their confidence a little bit by saying, hey girl, guess what you did like last week? Because remember we talked about yeah. this. That, that was uncomfortable, right? Like you can do this. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Um, but we don't acknowledge that sometimes. Like we forget that, holy crap, we were kind of badass. We, we did that thing. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree that you do have to bring some light to it especially as they've done it in the past to give them some confidence that they can do it again in the future. Yeah. Even this morning I was doing a story and I was thinking like, I almost don't want to call the negative feelings negative anymore because they're Mm -hmm. just uncomfortable. And if you think about it, there's actually a lot of positive feelings that also feel uncomfortable, right? Like being like, you know, it's your birthday and people are singing to you and they're just showing you all this love. There's nothing more awkward (laughs) just sitting there and being sunk to. I'm sure some people love it, you know, but there, there are many like positive experiences that also feel uncomfortable. And so I'm like, I don't even know if I want to call them positive and negative anymore. It's just like, you either feel uncomfortable or you don't, you know? So how do we practice? I think, Because it sounds like the key to doing it anyway is to kind of embrace the discomfort. So how do we practice being Mm -hmm. uncomfortable? Well, first of all, so my people, (laughs) my people, um, we have the warrior brain and then our do it anyway brain. Our warrior brain is the one that fights really hard to protect us. Um, It's the one that is, you know, telling us, hey, stay under the covers. Don't go to the grocery store today. Like there might be people there shopping other than you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) ah! Right. Like it's that part of our brain that really wants to keep us safe. And so we have to start practicing being uncomfortable on purpose using our do it anyway brain. That's our rational brain that knows we're safe, that knows we're okay. It's the one that creates these really awesome goals for us. And so if we can start practicing being uncomfortable using that part of our brain and doing it on purpose, then we tend to not go out into this crazy like hijacking is what I like to say. Our warrior brain likes to hijack us and our body. Um, But if you're in complete control and you're like, hey, today I'm going to do this uncomfortable thing. I know I'm okay. I'm going to be safe and I'm growing. I always like to add that like doing this is going to help you grow. Um, Then it takes it down a notch, but you're practicing feeling uncomfortable on purpose. So now you're not like just being thrown into the fire. You're actually seeking the fire and you're like, hey, I can do this. It's okay. And you feel in complete control because it was under your, it was your idea, right? It was your do it anyway brain's idea. So definitely practicing um, being uncomfortable. And it looks, that looks different for everybody. What is uncomfortable to you might not be uncomfortable to somebody else. Like, I, you know, I've said it three times. I used to be afraid to go grocery shopping. I didn't want to be in this public space with people. I don't even know why. I think now that I've like done the work, I think it was just because I didn't want to like bump into somebody's cart and have conflict or something stupid, right? Like what's going to happen if they yell at me down the cereal aisle? Oh my God. (laughs) 
Am I going to be equipped to handle the drama? Like just craziness, right? Um, And so everybody's uncomfortable or discomfort is different. It's going to look different. Somebody else might be ready to go sing karaoke to practice being uncomfortable. That's not me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. If if you had to pick something right now, Beth, what would it be? I'm going to put you on the spot. The practice being uncomfortable. Yeah, because I feel like karaoke is like a fun example, you know? Well, I guess if I had to choose between small talk at a cocktail party where I knew one person or none people or karaoke, I'd probably pick karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Oh my God. What is it about like small talk? I get the sweat everybody rattled. bad. Like my hands just start sweating just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to admit too, and I've already shared this on social media, but so at Mastermind, and I don't know if you guys have talked about that with mm-hmm. your people. Do they know what no. Mastermind is? Okay. It's this really great thing us coaches get to go to once a year and connect. Um, Corinne was there and she hosted this gathering for her tribe. And I didn't go. Like I decided in that moment that I didn't want to sit through that discomfort. And I went out and I had drinks with another friend and came back that night and I processed some regret. I cried and I was like, oh my God, never again. I'm, I'm not like, if I run into her, it is on, right? But it was just so funny. Like I, in that moment, I did allow my brain to tell me like, you're not going to know what to say in this group. And when she comes up to you, you're just going to faint or something <laughs> really crazy is going to happen, <laughs> right? And like... Yeah, I don't know what it is about group networking mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I'm like, I don't, I get lost for words for yeah. sure. And I did run into her. Um, so I had the executive lounge, which I was like, oh, I'm so great. I'm so cool. <laughs> she was in the executive lounge after a sweaty workout over by the eggs. And I was like, okay. So I almost turned and left. And I'm like, nope, do it anyway, Brain. You are safe. You are in here by the eggs. You are going to be fine. <laughs> and I went up and I like, I tapped her on the back and I said, hey, I'm going to make this really weird, but can I give you a hug? <laughs> and I did it. But like, right, you just have to do stuff. Even if you feel like a total weirdo sometimes, like yeah. just say like, hold on a second, not quite sure what to say. And I'm probably going to look weird, but I totally want to jump in. What's going on? (laughs) Right? Like that's an easy way to do it. Yeah. That's what I want you to do, Beth. Go find a social gathering and say, hey, I'm the weirdo that just wants to jump in. Well, it, may, it may or may not happen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I said hi to Brig because she coached me recently. Uh-huh. And I just was like, oh, I can say thank you in real life. And I, I definitely thought I was going to throw up. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, so weird. I mean, I have done it before when I went to a functional medicine conference. I would have legitimate, strange questions for people, the presenters that, you know, to be asked during the QA time. And so I would, you know, just like be shaking in my in my shoes and would go up and ask yeah. them. But because well, one of them was would talk about like scuba diving. And I was like, I'm going to one of those places. Like I want the real information. Is it worth it or not? And so um but I my voice was like shaking just asking them about like scuba diving. Yes. I'm like, this is like a grandpa that just happens to know a lot about the immune system. Like why is he scary? <laughs> It's so weird what our brains do. So, yeah. It helps me to know that a lot of people experience this. 
mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. way. So especially at the mastermind, I'm like, we were all kind of just in this like excited, like kind of awkward place. And it <laughs> felt good to know that everybody was feeling some kind of way. It was really good. Yeah. I have a question. So my thoughts is about, you know, why we are like this. Is it that really old hardware software that we have not been updated on that, you know, to go into another tribe or to go outside of your comfort space Mm -hmm. could actually be really, you know, deadly or not safe. And we just haven't adapted to the fact that we Mm -hmm. can go and visit other tribes, other communities and be okay. And so that there's just yeah. a safe, like that innate safety that we originally probably had to have is gone. Well, and I think a lot of people don't even know that that's normal. Like nobody's really offered them that information that it is normal to feel scared. It is normal to feel that fear because it is designed to keep us safe. It's designed, you know, like if you're a camper, you probably don't want to go up and try and pet the bear and feed him your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like it's good to be scared if we see a bear coming, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, so it is normal and it's okay. And guess what? We still get to decide anyway, like what we want to do next as long as we're safe, but we have to pump the brakes and we have to ask ourselves those questions. Like, is this a rational fear? You know, are we in mm-hmm. danger? No, I haven't seen any tigers or anything running around in my neighborhood <laughs> lately. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty clear over here. <laughs> I can leave the house today. <laughs> so this is the perfect time for this question, which is like, is there ever a situation where maybe we shouldn't do it anyway? Like, how do we know the difference between, hey, I need to find the courage to do this or I actually really need to hit pause because maybe I am unsafe or this isn't something I should do anyway. Well, I'll speak specifically to those of us who do struggle with anxiety. If it's causing harm or stress physically, you want to take a break and, you know, whatever it is that you do to unwind. Because like, it, well, I actually had a heart scare two weeks ago and um, it was just like beating quickly. My blood pressure was high. I've been doing a lot of scary shit, you guys. <laughs> and my my body is like, whoa, you need to pump the brakes, sis. And so like, I didn't stop all my plans, but I did take a pause for a moment. And I'm like, okay, it's time to meditate. It's time to put on, you know, the, the Zen music. It's time to breathe, like big diaphragmatic breathing. It's time to pause and activate my parasympathetic nervous system. Like you've got to calm down for a second. Um, So yeah, definitely if you are like, if it's physically harmful, you should probably take a a beat. We talked about this before, actually. um, I was talking to a friend about this. Like when life happens, it's okay, right? Like if you have a death in the family or, um, you know, there's an emergency, sometimes we feel guilty because we think, oh, here we go. Especially if we're like, perpetual yo-yo dieters and we're used to excuses all the time, we find it very hard and we're very judgmental. Like, is this just me quitting on myself Mm -hmm. again? Is this me just bringing up another excuse? I really think that you have to assess everything that's going on around you and give yourself some grace there. Also getting coached is a really good idea. Like help somebody else walk you through that and, and bring to light what your brain is offering. That's really key. Because you might be making up an excuse, but, you know, maybe you're not. Well, I do want you to touch on the, you know, do you like your why for pausing? 
back to, again, the excuses or whatever. They're not excuses, I don't think, if you like your why. A lot of times, I know on my yo-yo diet journey, if I didn't want to sit with an urge and I just wanted to shove my face with the nearest pie or box of crumble cookies, um, oh my gosh, those are deadly. (laughs) I, most of the time, well, first of all, in that moment, I wasn't thinking about anything. I just decided not to sit with the urge and I went and shoved my face in whatever I wanted. But looking back on it, if I had taken a moment to stop, take a deep breath and take 60 seconds to ask, why do you want to stop chasing after your goals? Why do you want to stop doing the plan that you created for yourself? And then assess, well, do I like my why? Most of the times it's it's a no. (laughs) Like, you know, I don't like my why. I don't like the fact that I'm just craving something and that's why I want to quit on myself. I don't like that why. That's that's not good enough for me. Yeah, the Friday feels right. is not good enough to yeah, to not stick not. to the plan. Yeah. And right. and one of those things too is people are like, how do I know if I like or dislike it? And it's like this comes back to you becoming your own authority and learning how to make Mm. that decision. Or in your case too, it's like getting out of that victim mentality of like, someone just tell me what to do. Tell me what's good or Mm, bad. Tell me what's healthy Mm. or unhealthy. And it's like, actually you get to decide. And I think that's why it's so terrifying. (laughs) It's because there's this fear of like, I don't know, am I going to be wrong or right? But you know, the way that I, you know, explain is we just have to go, we do it anyway, right? We have to just keep mm-hmm. practicing and showing up and trying and yeah, and decide, maybe you decide you didn't like it. And then maybe what happens if you decide you do? It's not the end of the world, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know the, for me, for many years, the excuse was like when I was on plan or whatever, I was like, well, I could walk outside and get hit by a bus. So I probably should eat that cupcake right now because anything <laughs> could happen. And I do not want to die knowing that I could have had that cupcake. Like, I don't know how many times I have said that my brain has offered that oh to me God. so many times. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, I am entitled to that cupcake wow. right That's now. That's amazing. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I don't like that why. <laughs> Yeah, but I can see why your brain would do that. And there's so many people that do. There's, you know, that's why I think intuitive eating can get tricky, right? Because people are like, but my brain yeah. told me that, well, a bus is going to hit me. <laughs> I definitely yeah, I'm yeah. really glad you brought that up because that's where I struggle with a lot of the, some of the intuitive eating stuff and, you know, all for that movement and for body positivity and things like that. But also like how much of it is, you know, are we really giving into like the monkey brain of it versus like, is that really an an intuitive thing that I should be eating? Yeah. Well, and like, I'll even just kind of reiterate having an autoimmune disease, there's a few things I should stay away from. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about intuitive, intuitively, I know (laughs) that if I eat that crumble cookie and those cupcakes is not going to be good for me. Like, I feel like I have a hangover the next Mm day. And so like, Nope, not a good idea. Even if my body is saying, you deserve a cookie today, Stacy. Well, do I really like, yeah, okay, I can have it, but I know that I'm not going to feel good. So not all things that we want are good for us. 
it's just that like, yeah, I don't know how, I'm not really into the world of intuitive eating, but I can see how that would get sticky. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. We view limitations or restrictions as negative a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so when people are faced with limitations or restrictions, they immediately want to rebel against them. And so then it's like figuring out how do we, how do we stop doing that in a, Mm -hmm. in a way that feels good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anybody have anything else? <laughs> okay. No, I could sit here all day with you two. This is so awesome. <laughs> I mean, I have questions about like, you know, your Hashimoto's and things of that nature, but that's just because that's my my ADD brain going and yeah. being like, well, I know about Hashimoto's and the immune system, so can we just talk about that? But it has yeah. nothing to do well, with our topic. So maybe I'm you like, two need no. to do... <laughs> Maybe you two should do a Hashimoto's podcast, but I, I don't know. Yeah. So that's yeah. just like where my brain starts to go. It's yeah, like, you're like, well, can you tell me your whole life story and everything else about you on this podcast? That would be awesome. Thank you. Uh, I'm a big ball of mess who is like figuring out my life one step at a time. Yeah. That's I, all I mean, and aren't and we all, awesome. and shouldn't yeah. we, can we all just embrace that? Yes. Oh, yeah, so that's yep. that's really that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. It was like so insightful. It was, it was really helpful. I hope for our listeners, it was helpful for me. I just love getting someone else to talk about it. Beth and I always joke, I don't know if you ever tell like your spouse something over and over again, and then they don't hear it until they hear it from a coworker or someone else. And you're like, oh, I told you this. <laughs> expert on this subject and you listened to something else (laughs) girls every time i'm like yeah yeah so (laughs) you get to be that voice of reason for our listeners today (laughs) okay so let's all go do some scary shit and if y'all want to find stacy you can find her on the confessions of a goal getter podcast or her website is the do it anyway coach.com or please go follow her on Instagram at Stacy Lucky underscore. And that's Stacy with no E and Lucky with an E. Perfect. Thank you so much, Stacy. Yeah. Thank you guys really so much it. for having Thanks. me. It's fun. We keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some way. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we are shining a light on it and sharing it with you. And today's ads. (laughs) Well, I first texted Beth this ad that I found that was like, here's this intermittent fasting guide guide based on age. Yep. The actual guide was so crazy. <laughs> the guide and the pictures that the, went with. The guide and the images. So yes, the pictures, there were actually two sets of photos because I ended up clicking on it. I was like, fine, I'll click. You'll get me. And also it said for women over 45, which I was like, okay, rude. I'm only 41, but okay. So like some of the weird things, like what was the one Four where- weeks away from your new body. Yeah. Forget about boring diets. Take tests and get personalized intermittent fasting plan. Apple salad avocado, avocado emoji. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So four weeks away from an entirely new body over 45. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then just these something. suggestions were crazy. It was like, yeah, 
I mean, even an 18-6 window is pretty, like, that's a pretty small window. Yeah, it was eat, stop, eat. So if you're 45 to 50, you have to eat, stop, eat. So you um, eat normally on day one, then abstaining from food until dinner on day two. And then you cycle that? Like, how does that help? I mean... All I see is like people's blood sugar going all over the place. Every other day, their brain may or may not be working. Some brain fog, some headaches, some binging that will occur somewhere around day three or four. Yeah. Like that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, because it saying. says eat whatever you want within this time frame. And it's like, oh, well, that's definitely not going to help the blood sugar situation. Usually, when we talk about fasting, it's like only for people who are have a very managed blood sugar. So like Mm -hmm. eating whatever you want is probably not going to be, Yeah, it's not going to go well. And then if you're 50 to 55, it's a 1410. So you have to fast for 14 hours and then eat what you want for 10 hours. A little bit older, 186. So it gets more and more restrictive. And then when you're 60 to 65, it's Fasting for 20 hours and then eating within four. Yeah. Which, I mean, when people get, you know, in the those older ages, you're not as hungry just because that's biologically what's happening. But still. But then for some reason, when you get over 65, you can go back to a 16-hour fast and you only have to skip breakfast. Like, what? Why? That doesn't make any sense. And the pictures of these women, they are all like super ripped. Well, they're they're drawings of they mostly have six packs. Yes, they are drawings. Even the sixties to sixty five year old has like they gave her uh, like a more ripped body than the fifty year old. Yeah, and then there's a second photo below that, the one that's in color, Mm -hmm. where it shows like the body images again. It's like super fit, super fit, super fit, and then what poor kills me is this sixty five year old plus is in this like full like. So to give you reference. 56 to 65, she's wearing a sports bra. With no abs. Top, with abs, no top. But at 65 plus, she's in a full track suit and a sweatband. <laughs> it's just totally I mean, covered. It totally went from just like... I don't know. It's just, it's like, oh, it's basically sending the message like, oh, 65 plus, cover you, it up. It's over. Yeah. It's over you're for done. you. Like, and so then after I shared that with Beth, her algorithm, something magic happened and she got the exact same ad, but it was tailored towards men. Yes. And then those images, Are I was disturbing. dying. They all have like 16 packs. Yeah. <laughs> they images. all like 55 plus, you for sure still have the V cut in the abs and like super ripped but there this one started from 18 to 55 plus so it wasn't just the older men but it was like everything so tells you like how much to fast like all these crazy things the men's one is weird it's like okay on monday you're gonna do these things on tuesday you're gonna do these things and it's like yeah, two cups every of day is different. Track your calories. It's like, what? Or doing all these different actions And somehow you only have to do a seven-minute workout, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, for that level of muscle structure, I'm guessing that's Yeah, this correct. muscle structure, it's like seven. Only, you, only have to, you can get it all in seven minutes. Well, okay. Sign me up. I don't know what you're doing in seven minutes, but you are Let's do it. totally ripped. And you only have to eat once a day so yeah i don't know i just thought that these were so ridiculous the images are embarrassing i'm like who believes it but some people do and so we're just here to tell you that it's not true 
four weeks you're not Don't four weeks away from a new body um and you know you're not necessarily supposed to have a six-pack at 56 like that's okay <laughs> I don't yeah, have a six pack fine. now at 41, <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah, it is a, okay. I read this, um, I saw on the, the socials and it was like, I know this ripped guy. And then it was like, the next shot was like one of those like strong man, you know, like did those like, you know, on ESPN, those world strongest men contests where they like throw barrels and stuff. You mm-hmm. remember those it was like a dude like that. And he was like, he was like being ripped like six pack is very different than being strong. Like you don't have to have that to be strong. His essential his statement was, is that, you know, to, to have your muscles visible like that is under eating. That was his stance on it. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. And I don't really care, but I was just like, well, what, is that true? I don't know. I was like, God, oh, the internet wait. is a weird place to be. <laughs> wait, so wait, he was saying a strong man guy was like really beefy, but you couldn't see all of his like six pack uh, abs and stuff like that. So he was saying that just because you have six pack abs and stuff like that doesn't mean that you're strong. It just means that you are underfeeding. Right. Well, it just your your fat mass is lower, right? Or really low. Yeah. yeah. And you're really not supposed to be at those really low for men fat masses all the time like they're you're supposed to cycle in and out of them it's not it's not meant to, to be at three percent body fat all the time yeah oh my goodness where you just pick your skin up off here that's the craziest thing i went to college and a guy was doing one of those contests during the semester and so and by the end of the semester he was competition ready and we were literally like just picking the skin up off of his. It was like there was no fat. It was really weird. <laughs> I don't know what that's like, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't on me. No, I know, like, but it's still, it's like, like I just don't even want to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would bring his lunches into class, and he was like cooler food, and it was always so boring. And I was like, yeah, nope. <laughs> knew then for me (laughs) yeah that's the fun thing about being a nutrition major is you see all of the things that people experience and why that's why they're in the nutrition major you get to learn about their neuroses (laughs) okay well okay i sure hope we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on instagram at path underscore nutrition if you are looking to work with us please visit our website at pathnutrition.com to get started bye everyone